Alright, well good evening everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. Uh, my name is Dave Everett, this is my wife Sherry. And we're continuing our study tonight on the book, on the book of Andrew Womack, The New Year and the Holy Spirit. And this is actually two books in one. And uh, those of you here, we have books for you. We're actually going to be in chapter 6 tonight. Uh, we'll be talking about the local church or joining the local church. Anyway, um, this is this is two books in one. The first half of the book talks about the new year. When we're born again, we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And so uh, uh, this first half of the book talks about who we are in Christ. And then the second half of the book talks about the Holy Spirit. And more specifically, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we'll, we'll get into a little bit later. So anyway... Um, if you go to our website, lighthousediscipleship.org, we have our previous Bible study sessions uh, archived on there. They're also archived on our YouTube channel, uh, Lighthouse Discipleship Center, and, uh, and there's some other uh, platforms we have as well. But anyway, so we're going to be continuing our Bible study tonight on the new you and the Holy Spirit. And like I said, we're in chapter 6. We're actually at the end of chapter 6. We're almost done with the first half of this book. And we might even get close to finishing that tonight. Uh, but we're talking about joining the local church. And I know we're picking up mid-chapter. We're picking up mid-thought mid, mid here. Um, you know, we the, again, this first half of the book is talking about the new you and the Holy Spirit. The, the first half of the book is talking about the new you. When we're born again, you know, we're, you know, um, the first section of the book talks about becoming born again. All we basically have to do is hear the gospel, believe the gospel, and we're saved. You see that through the book of Acts. They heard the gospel, believed the gospel, and we're saved. You know, uh, most of us uh, have said a prayer of some sort, and the prayer is fine. You'll, you'll never see a prayer necessary in the book of Acts, so we're not. And I'm not anti the prayer. My point is, uh, what are they praying? And it's not so much what they're praying, what, but what more specifically, what are they believing? They need to, not that they have to understand everything, but they need to know enough to believe it. You can't believe something you don't know. Um, and so you got to know a little, you, you need to know that, I'm, you know, when I water baptize somebody, uh, I want, I'm not just uh, interested in having a ceremony just to have a ceremony. Uh, I want to hear from them uh, some basic language that they believe the gospel. And what is the gospel? And the gospel in the simplest form is that he died, buried, and rose again. Uh, he, he died for your sins, and he rose again. That, that's, the basic, that's the basics of the gospel. As lo, we can get a little more deeper than that, and that's what some of this book is about, but some of my other lessons are we'll go even deeper with that. But <clears throat> you need to believe that you are a sinner, that you needed a Savior, which is Jesus, and that he died for you, and that he rose again. You know, the Bible never calls us to make converts. The Bible calls us to make disciples. A disciple is a, is a discipline learner. We're supposed to make disciples of all nations. And you become born again really easy. It's easy for you. But, you know, nothing in life is really free. Even when you <coughs> go to the store and you get something for free, someone paid for it. Whether it's the manufacturer, the, store, the, the business owner... Or some, somebody paid for that item. You know, salvation is free to us, but it costs Jesus his life. He, you know, we're celebrating Christmas now. We're getting to the Christmas season. Jesus came to die that we can live. And he was our substitute. 
Now, my favorite scripture is from 2 Corinthians 5, 21. And it says, He who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus became sin. What happened to Jesus? He was crucified. And, and, and uh, 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 he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He became sin, and he, he, uh, and he gave us his righteousness, and he took our sin, <coughs> excuse me, and he crucified it. And so, um, and so, anyway, um, excuse me for a second. So, yes. But anyway, uh, he who knew the sin became sin. So, you know, Jesus was our substitute. He became our sin, but he also gave us his righteousness. And we have more teaching to go more in depth with this. But now that we're born again, now that if we heard the gospel, we believe it, and we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then now we need to learn who we are. The Bible says we're a whole new creation. We're not born again of corruptible seed. We're born again of uncorruptible seed. What does that mean? You know, we're, there's only two kinds of seed when it comes to human nature. We have Adam, and then we have Jesus, which is called the last Adam. Jesus was not born from Joseph's seed or any other male. He, the male carries the seed, not the, not, not the woman. And I'm not trying to be gross here, but I'm just the facts of life here. Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit, who was conceived into Mary's womb. We're born again. We're either in Adam or we're in Christ. There's no. There's only two kinds. You either believe Christ or you don't believe Christ. You are either righteous because you have Christ, or you're. you're let me rephrase that. You're either a hundred percent righteous because you have Christ, or you're a hundred percent unrighteous because you don't have Christ. There's only two. There's only two camps. But now that we're. But you know, and we have a lot more, we go into a lot more detail in our study on spirit, soul, and body, and on our website we have three animated videos from Andrew Womack that are very well put together, they're animated, so they, they animate the message as we, we talk it through. You know, when you're born again, you don't mind, <coughs> you might not feel saved, see, salvation is not based on a feeling, salvation is based on faith in his word, it's by grace through faith you're saved. Anyway, I can go a lot of different teachings, and we've been talking about this over the last several weeks. But when we hear the gospel, believe the gospel, we are saved. Now that we are saved, we need to know who we are. We need to know that we have a whole new identity. There's over 300 scriptures in the New Testament that talk about who we are in Christ. And we are born again. We're born of God. We're born of His nature. We have, we're born of, again. And so... Part of this book, part of this first half, is talk about who you are. And there's some tools that we have. Yes, we are dependent totally on God, not man. But God has given us tools. God has given us, we talked in the weeks past about, we need to spend time <coughs> in God's Word. We need to understand God's Word. You know, and that's where the church comes in, in, into, into play. That's where pastoring comes into play. We need to... Uh, know who we are. And so, um, and, and uh, I just lost my train of thought for a moment. Um, you know, I talk again about a seed. We're born again. And it says in the parable of the sower, 
that the, the word of God, God's seed, fell on four different kinds of soil. And only the seed that fell, all four seeds heard the word of God, but only the seed that fell on good soil heard it and understood it. It's not enough to just hear the word of God. Thank you. It's also, we also need to understand it. You can't understand something you don't hear. So hearing God's word is a, is a, is a, is a step up. But I, we need to understand it. And that's where not only being in the word. If you're in the word, that's great. But if you don't understand what you're reading, you know, Philip, when he was uh, ministering to the Ethiopian eunuch, said he didn't understand what he was reading. That's in Acts chapter 8 or 9, uh, one of those chapters. We need to understand. That's where a pa- we need. We all need a pastor. I need a pa- I'm a pastor, but I still need a pastor. Everyone needs a good church, a good church. There, and I'm not here to put anyone down, but there are some bad churches out there. There's some churches I don't agree with. And uh, um, and if, and you know, as a pastor ministering to multiple people, sometimes it's harder to unlearn something than it is to learn something fresh. Um, and so some people, uh, you know, I've minister, ministered to or are ministering to, I've had to unlearn some things because some bad teaching or bad instruction. And so and I'm not here putting anything out. I'm here magnifying God. At the same point in time, we need to ha- And so uh, I'm, I'm trying to steer this in the direction we're going to tonight, which is the second half of what we talked about last week. We all need to find a good church. And I know with COVID, it, it gets very innovative right now with some, in, some, in, some, in, in some ways. Thank you. Uh, but uh, but we, we need to have a good church. Listening to a message is not good enough. We need that. Don't get me wrong. We need to hear teaching. We need to hear, we, and sometimes some people go to hear multiple teachers. And that can be good. It can also be too much if you're hearing so, a lot of different teachers all the time and you don't have... A, a, a mentor, a pastor that you know, uh, where you know, when you're when you're in uh, elementary school, a lot of times you have one teacher until you get to junior high, high school, and you start having multiple teachers. There's a reason for that, and, and there's, I think there's some wisdom in that versus hearing multiple voices and you get accustomed to one teacher. And I'm not saying you can't have multiple teachers. Don't get me wrong, but you need some. You know, Sherry and I. And let me just put this in the realm of cooking. We home cook most of the time, but once in a while we eat out. It's just nice that uh, I'm just I'm just trying to help us because I, I've heard a lot of people going to a lot of different teachings, which all of them may be good, but it can be it can be too much for a new believer to digest. If they if, if you know, and not because they're not all good, but we just need to have a a regular diet. You know, you don't change a baby's diet right away. You, you you wean them off stuff. You change it gradually. You don't you don't uh, you know even with an animal, a puppy, a kitten. You you, you start out with puppy chow, kitten chow, whatever you might use, but uh, then you kind of wean them to uh, adult food. You know, they're, they're, you know I'm just trying to uh, make hopefully making sense of things. But we need to have a good church. We need to have fellowship. You know, you can get teaching on YouTube almost. From any teacher nowadays, especially with COVID, everyone's live streaming. Uh, you can get good teaching. You can get worship, but you can't create fellowship that way. And so we have to be innovative, even with COVID, even with lockdowns. We have to be innovative, but we need fellowship. You know, the early church said that we're steadfast in four things: the apostles' doctrine, that's teaching; fellowship; 
the breaking of bread has a lot to do with covenant and uh, prayers, which has to do with ministry. We need fellowship. You know, a child, when he goes to school, or he or she goes to school, she's not only learning academics, how to learn, write, and whatever, she's also learning social skills, how to get along with other playmates. Those is homeschool, and I'm okay with that. But even homeschool parents have to find ways, innovative ways, for those kids to socialize with other kids. And how to get along, and how to share, and how to, to whatnot. And so we need to learn that fellowship. And so, so we're picking up this mid-chapter. I know I said a lot of different things, but I'm trying to recap some things to, to bring it up to speed where we are now. Um, do you want to share anything before we get started? I do. Um, and it, a, a lot of it goes back to Dave's recap and this whole section of Andrew's about now you're a believer, now what? You know, okay, I, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. Well, now what? And, you know, I really could take off with a lot of this and piggyback on on um, the section that, that we're in now about finding a good church. And it's, it's like anyone who needs food to eat. You need to, to eat. And one of the ways for the spiritual diet is the body of Christ, is that, that fellowship, that, that church. And, you know, in, in um, Colossians 2, we've referred to this before, but Colossians 2, 6 as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. It doesn't say, okay, good job, you've received Christ, which is amazingly awesome, but it says, so walk in him. Okay, it's, it's it's that lifestyle, good, that's a, that's a good, good, uh, uh, definition but you know if, if you take Colossians and I'm just gonna do some verses not I could so preach on this topic um, but if you take it with in Romans 5 17 where it says for it if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one and this is talking about Adam and uh, and the garden and falling in sin and bringing sin into the world much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness salvation will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ we can't reign in life if we're not walking this lifestyle out and getting to know having that relationship with God our Father I pick you back on that real quick. It's going to be hard for you to walk with God if you don't have a, a regular time in the God's Word. You don't have a pastor. You don't have regular fellowship. All these things will help you continue and maintain your walk. We all need encouragement. You know, even on other things, I sometimes just need motivation and encouragement to keep doing the things. You know, I work from home. And I'm a pretty self-motivated person. But sometimes we just need encouragement. And, and, and it, if you are isolated, you're going to have a very challenging time walking with God. I can't say, I'm not saying it's not We're dependent on the Holy Spirit. We're not dependent on man. But God has given us the body of Christ. 
It's not just, it's not, the, it's not people. It's not just people. It's the body of Christ. That's, that's, that's a big phrase. And, uh, and, and when we say we don't need the church, and we're saying, and once, and it's the body of Christ, and in one sense of the word, we're saying there's part of Christ we don't need. And that's dangerous. That's not healthy. Uh, I need all of Christ. And that includes his body. Are people perfect? No. And we're going to get into some of that a little bit later in just a moment. Right. And every bit of the body of Christ has something important to give back to the rest of the body of Christ. Amen. You know, I know you could do a further, deeper study in Corinthians uh, um, about the body and each one's gifts. And, you know, Paul goes into detail about how can a hand say to this part of the body, I don't need you. Every bit of my body that God fashioned together is needed for the creation that he brought together. And it's the same thing with the body of Christ. And yes, there's sandpaper people that rub us wrong, but even those, if you listen to the Holy Spirit and extend grace and peace like we're supposed to to one another, you will learn from them. And uh, But I don't want to go on another rabbit trail. I want to get back to this so we can get back in the study. But for those still wondering, okay, now what? I'm a believer. I want to direct you to Ephesians 1, which is one of my favorite chapters, because it, it's so rich in what we have in Christ. And Dave taught on In Christ Realities. I encourage you to listen to that. Lawson Purdue has a teaching on it. You know, I encourage you to listen to that. But if you want to do an in-depth study yourself, look at Ephesians 1 because it talks about the blessings we have in God. It talks about how we're adopted by His good pleasure. We are accepted in the Beloved. It talks about... Um, the, the 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 power that that God raised Jesus from the dead with is in us. It talks about our inheritance. I mean, it's just so rich, and it'll help you to see that it's there, there's just so much for the the believer. And to be able to understand all this and to live in it, we need the fellowship of other believers. We need the the, the pastors in our life who can teach us. We need. You know, there's a, a verse somewhere else, and I'm not going to look it up, but it talks about the older women teaching the younger. You know, we're, uh, we need that. You know, I learned from my grandma, from my mom, from other ladies in the church, how to be a godly wife. And that ties into the life of the believer and your relationship with, with God. But I want to get back to the lesson in... Right, right. The importance of church. I think I just want to back on one thing. I can pick back on a lot more, but, you know, going to church is not just what you can receive from that church. That's one big criteria, or that's one big aspect. But it's also what you can give to that church. It's not just about what you can get, because, the, 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 you know, the, the world doesn't revolve around you. <laughs> now, we are the body of Christ. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's we. And, uh, it, it's give and receive. You need to give, and there's times where we you need to give a little more. You, I'm sorry. You need to receive, and sometimes we there's sometimes in seasons of life where we just need to see, receive a little bit more. 
We just need to receive and be ministered to. But we also are the body of Christ so you can serve and you can serve. We are all able ministers of the new covenant. You know that word minister means to serve. And we we can serve people in different ways. We're not all hands. We're not all feet. We're not all different things. And, you know, you might think, well, I'm just something like uh, the tonsils or whatever it might be. Well, we need those too. If God gave it to me, I want to keep it. Right. (laughs) You know, um... I don't know what all everything does, and uh, and I know some things you can take out without it being a major uh, change. But we need everyone is important, and we need everybody, you know. And so uh, uh, John talks about this in the book of First John. No one is an island to themselves, and so and I understand we all sometimes need time away and a degree, uh, 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 vacation or a touch of time away. I get that. But that's not, we shouldn't live that way. Uh, and there's a difference between having some, uh, a breather and having a break versus uh, having a lifestyle of you us for no more type of that attitude. Uh, or just me and, me and God. Yes, uh, you can't minister to others until this relationship is more important than any other relationship. You know, a lot of people say the first uh, institute God put together is marriage. Well, I, I disagree slightly. The first relationship God created was God's own relationship with mankind. A- Adam and God. Uh, and then there was Adam and Eve. Uh, God wants a relationship. And really that brings me back to one thing I want to say a while ago. This is all about a relationship. You know, in this relationship, it's not just about the wedding it's about the marriage. We wanted to have a beautiful uh, wedding, but more importantly, we want to have a beautiful marriage a relationship. And relationship means get, there is some give and take. There's giving into the message, marriage and there's receiving. But at the same point in time, you have to, in any relationship, whether you're talking about uh, a God and us, um, God and man, or you're talking about marriage, or a parent and child, or employee, employer, you have to work at it. And both sides have to work. If both sides aren't working on it, it's really not a relationship. And so you, you, you need to work on the relationship. You need to be involved in the relationship. You need to communicate. And, you, you know, you, in one sense, you'll get out of the relationship when you put into it. You know, and so uh, God is always wanting to... We, he wanted a relationship with us. He could not have a relationship with us because of sin. That's why he went to the cross and died for us so we can be in right relationship with him. That's what righteousness is all about. He, you know, from our perspective, it's all about God. But from his perspective, it's all about you. It's always been about you. God went through everything, created this planet, earth, and then the universe, and and uh, died on the cross for you. And yet he didn't just do it for you. He did it for all of us. And he uh, and uh, we can't learn how to love one another until we learn how much God loves us, uh, and that's another teaching and whatnot. So let's get get to our, our Bible study tonight. Uh, this, uh, that was all kind of, kind of a recap and and a little more, uh, but uh, uh, we're in uh, chapter six, talking about which talk about join a local church. We didn't quite finish last week, so if you have your books, I mean, you don't. So just listen. That's fine. Page 46 is where we're going to start. Uh, we're in the last section of this chapter. It's a short chapter. But find a good church. So what happens is Sherry will read. She'll narrate for us. And then we'll talk about it. So. 
stuff whenever you're ready. Okay. Don't let minor doctrinal issues prevent you from settling into a good church. If the differences are just some external matters and not core beliefs, I suggest you stay involved. Even if it's not a strong faith teaching church, it's better to participate in some local church than not to participate at all. There are other important benefits you can gain from participating. If you live in an area where you have a choice, always choose a church that preaches the whole counsel of God. A good church preaches everything God offers in his word. Salvation, baptism in the Holy Spirit, the gifts of his spirit, healing, deliverance, and prosperity. The denomination I grew up in centered all of the teaching on just the forgiveness of sins. Many people, like me, got saved, but they didn't believe that God's miraculous power was for today. When my father, a leader in that church, became seriously ill, my family and I didn't know how to receive healing from the Lord. No one in our church had faith for it because we were never taught healing from God's word. My father died at 54 years of age, leaving me fatherless at 12 and my mother a widow at 38. Much pain came into our lives as a result of this. Our church didn't cause this problem, but it sure didn't equip us to overcome it either. Be part of a church that teaches the whole counsel of God. Don't stay somewhere that's against the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, healing, and so on. Having your name on a pew or your aunt as the choir director won't help when you're sick. Although you're personally aware that God heals, you'll be frustrated when you have trouble receiving it because you don't know God's word. To receive prosperity, deliverance, or whatever, you need to be taught God's word. Be part of a church you can wholeheartedly support. A good church preaches faith and grace for the entire Christian life, not just forgiveness of your sins. Many groups teach all you need to do is initially receive is believe. All you need to do is initially receive. I'm sorry. Let me to initially receive. Many groups teach that all you need to do to initially receive is believe, but that after you're saved, everything is based on your performance. That's wrong. You don't have to earn God's favor, earn answers to prayer, earn God's love, earn your healing, or earn anything else. Everything God gives you is by grace through faith. The atmosphere ought to encourage healthy relationships. The pastor should set the tone by being a loving person. It's not necessarily better to go to a big church or a small one. Some big churches have small groups for the purpose of nurturing and maturing believers. Often, small churches naturally have an environment conducive to building friendships and spiritual growth. Whether big or small, your experience in a church will normally come down to the quality of your relationship there. Trust the Lord to lead you to a good local church. Pray, then take some steps of faith. It's his good pleasure to guide you to your place in his body. You know, one of the things I think I said last week is, you know, if, I were, if we weren't pastoring in different things and we had to go to a church and there wasn't a church nearby, a good church. Uh, I would I would go I, I would drive two hours to a good church. I would move if I had to move. That's that's not important to me. 
It's, you know, everyone has values. And one of my values is being in a good church. Uh, because my life depends on it. My marriage depends on it. My whole, lo- my whole well-being depends on it. Now, I understand that can't always be the case with everybody for different reasons. And then uh, some of it's because, it can, all kinds of reasons. I'm not just going to entertain all of those different reasons. But uh, therefore, and that's why he also says, you know, being in a, a you might not find a church that you 100% agree with, but as long as it's not a major doctrinal issue. Let me just say it this way, you're not going to find a perfect church. Because you, you got people. And I said this before, and I'm not mean to be gross, but where you have sheep, you're going to have manure. It just comes with it. And you got people. People are not perfect. People fail. Everyone, people will fail you once in a while. And it seems like the people who you're closest with will fail you the most. Not, and the difference between when it's malicious and spiteful and then versus when they just, you know, having a bad day or whatever the case may be. There's times in our marriage we have failed each other. Uh, you know, it's one thing if we, there's some lines you don't cross, and we, we understand those lines and whatnot. But, you know, we, we both have had bad days. We both have gotten tired and get grumpy. And, and then, and then the, it's just a domino reaction after that, you know, and, and we get there. That doesn't make it okay, but that's part of a relationship, you know. It's hard to have, the ones that you're not having a relationship with, you usually don't get into uh, a discuss, what I call intense negotiation with them. You know, because you, you just don't have a relationship with them. Uh, you know, sometimes you get grumpy at your boss, and sometimes you get grumpy at different people. Pastor Lawson, who's our pastor, he's on some of our Bible classes that we offer. He's in Colorado. But he says, if you come to our, if you come to our church looking for what's wrong, you'll probably find it. Because uh, that's what you're looking for. That's what you're focused on. But if you, if you come to our church looking for what's right, you're going to find that too. And he says, someone's going to offend you after a while. And he says, because if you know Lawson, he, he's an awesome man of, man of God. But he also has... Uh, he's, how do I want to put it? He just, he speaks his mind too. And then he can get, he can get fired up uh, on some ways and whatnot. But he just, uh, but, but, uh, he says, chances are, before, if you stay here long enough, I will probably offend you at one point in time or not. Not that he's trying to, not that he wants to, but he just, chances are, you know, sometimes people just offend each other. And it dep- you know, it sometimes it depends on what the offense is, but we, that's a part of relationship. It's learning how to forgive. You know, I went. I said a minute ago that a child needs to learn how to get along. Well, some of us adults have never learned that. And we have to learn how to get along. And we need to continue to learn that. And we can't just take our ball home every time the game's not going well. We have to learn how to, uh, how to get along with people. And that's part of growing and walking with God. And, we, you know, if we can't get along in the church, how are we going to get along in the world? And uh, I mean, this is not a lesson on that, but but we're talking about the church. And and when you have God's word in your heart and that strong (coughs) relationship with him, the offenses that come are not going to knock you over and destroy your life and destroy relationships. Because when you're so in love with God and know how much he loves you, you're able to say, for example, if if Dave was tired and cranky and snapped at me because he was tired and cranky, you know, I'm not going to walk away offended because of how he treated me. I would, because of my relationship with God, 
I can I can see what caused him to and have compassion to him and forgive him and move on. But it only helps because of my strong relationship with God and because I'm in his word. Yes, there's times when it might make, take me a little bit longer to get it out of my system. But, and, and I know a marriage is, can be a little different. Um, but the, the body of Christ, like Dave said, is not perfect. But it's needful. And there are verses in the Bible that talk about offense. One is my uh, one I, I, I won't look up, but it's in Psalm 119. David talks about throughout the whole Psalm, every verse has something about loving his word, loving God's statutes, loving his laws. And he talks, one of the verses talks about not having. Uh, not getting into offense because of loving God's word, loving God's laws. And when you have God's word so much in you, um, it, it'll help you. And it's very detrimental to your health. And I'm speaking from an experience, and I'm pointing fingers at me. If I'm walking in offense, if I'm walking in bitterness, my health is not good. And for my spiritual health, not my spirit, which is 100% saved, but my soul, my mind, will, emotions, my physical well-being can be severely damaged and hurt and sick if I keep holding on to that, that bitterness and offense. And I know that we're talking about finding a good church, but I just know because of my own self how I hurt for the body of Christ when they are walking in bitterness and offense because I'm afraid for them, for, for their own well-being. You know, this, this is not so much a lesson about getting along with one another, but there are over 100 scriptures in the New Testament about how we are to get along and bear with one another's burdens. Paul says in Galatians that we need to uh, do well to all people, especially to those who are part of the family of believers. And if, if, it, if it wasn't such an issue, then the, the apostles wouldn't have talked about it over 100 times. And, uh, but... But we, have, you know, human nature hasn't changed all these years. You know, you know, society might have changed, and, and cultures may have changed. Uh, we might be different cultures, but getting along is is one of the facts of life. You know, I mean, the first brothers got into a fight. <laughs> you know, and then we had the first murder. So there, nothing has changed since Cain and Abel. You know, as far as that's concerned, because that's what sin brought. Yeah, there wasn't. We didn't have that before sin came in the world, but sin came in the world. But now we have Christ, and if we have Christ, uh, we can learn how to get along with one another. But what's what's worse is isolating yourself and having no fellowship. That is more dangerous. That we have seen so many people. They've gone to Bible. Some of these people have gone to Bible college. They, they, they have the Spirit of God, different things. But for whatever the reason may be, and there are different reasons we've heard, is that they become isolated. And they've gone south. And some have some went back to some of their old ways and whatnot. God didn't design us that way. And I understand sometimes there are different situations at times. But the early church, they were steadfast continually in the Apostles' Doctrine, and the fellowship breaking of bread and prayers. And it says that they did it daily. And they multiplied daily. The church was multiplying. It's healthy. 
you, you know, when you have a child, when you have a, a plant or a garden, when you have a pet, a cat, a dog, whatever pet suits you, maybe you have a farm or you have animals, you want them healthy. And healthy, part of it is having a good diet. Healthy is also, uh, you know, with a child, you want them healthy academically, you want them healthy physically, you want them healthy psychologically and socially, you know, you want them healthy in so many different aspects. You, know, you can be healthy physically, but not be healthy, uh, so, something has traumatized you, and now you're not healthy psychologically. You know, we need to be healthy, and, 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 it's not, and sometimes it's not just about you. Sometimes God wants to use you to bring life and health to somebody else. And so that's part of my our vision for this church. My, and bring this back to what we talked about the last couple of weeks. My job description as a pastor, according to Ephesians chapter 4, is to, God, God's given some of the pastors, apostles, whatever, and I know I got those out of order, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith, <coughs> through the statue of the woman of Christ. My job is to equip you to edify one another. What does that word edify mean? To build one another up. My job is to equip you to build one another up. That's my job description according to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 12. And so on. And verses 11 to 16 is one sentence. And I can continue that on. It also goes on to say in verse 16 that we're knit together. God's knit us together. Just like the body is knit together, the body of Christ is knit together. And God knit us together so we could edify ourselves in love. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16. And so, so the body of Christ is huge. God put the body of the church together for a reason. And, uh, you know, again, where you have sheep, you have manure. And you're going to, we have to bear with one another. We have to forgive one another. We have to get along with one another. We need to encourage one another. We need to admonish one another. I need to receive admonishment, and I need to give admonishment. And, and it needs to be done in the right way. In love. In, in love, absolutely. absolutely. You know, and there's certain people because I don't have a relationship with them, uh, and there's different levels of relationships, and I'll come back to that. But you know, it's not some places and some people because I don't have a relationship, it would be out of line for me to, to admonish them to a certain level. I just don't have a connection with them. You know, I don't get to go to someone else's home and and help admonish their kids for them, or someone else's business or someone else's church or whatnot. You know, there's different levels of relationship. Jesus had the multitudes. Jesus had the 70. Jesus had the 12. Jesus had the 3. And then he also had the 1. And so there's different levels of relationship. You know, uh, outside, you know, we have family. We have friends. We have acquaintances. We have uh, whatnot. But my, my biggest natural relationship is going to be with my wife. But we, you know, we have some close friends, and we've had closer friends, and and we and we have some friendly people, uh, you know, they're friends, and they'll be our closest friends. But it just, you know, uh, there's different levels of relationship, and so but I'm not gonna. There's some things I would share with my closest friends or my wife that I'm not gonna share with just maybe some of my friends or whatnot, and I, and I might I might on different levels of those relationships, the admonishing might be different. You know, I think everyone should have a, a, a small, I think there should be a small group, kind of like the three that Jesus had, 
But there, need, there needs to be some. Andrew, I know Andrew has some people on his staff, his board. He says, you have a right to get in, front, get in my face if I need it. And we all need people who can get in our face if, if we should need it. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying we want everyone in our face. That, that would not be healthy. <coughs> you know, my, I had a best friend who passed away uh, a, few, a few months ago. But he and I were like that. And we, we would, we would, uh, we loved each other, but we also would tell each other, you know, uh, what's up if we needed, if we needed it. You know, we all need people like that. I think we all need, and Lawson teaches us a lot, we need those who mentor us, and we need those we can mentor them. She mentioned something from uh, Titus and Timothy, where the young, older teaches the younger. I think it's healthy to have people who are ministering to us and people we are ministering to them. I think it's healthy. Uh, Jesus ministered to a lot of people, but he had people minister to him. It seems that seems surreal, but he did have people wash his feet. He did have people minister to him, and he had to, did have people serve him to a certain capacity, you know. And it's just healthy. Uh, sometimes I serve her, sometimes she serves me, you know. And anyway, I can I can go on and on. All to say is, it's so healthy to have a local body of Christ, a local church that you're plugged into for multiple reasons for your health and theirs, uh, because we we all um, we all give and edify one another. And obviously, like Dave said about all the love anothering verses, if it wasn't so important, it wouldn't be in the Bible, and it is very important. See, we're talking about the new you. And the new you, in a sense, one sense, is not just about you. <laughs> uh, we are the body of Christ. You are born <coughs> you are born again into a family. The family of God. And uh, and whatnot. And so, uh, anyway, there's a lot we can uh, uh, piggyback on this. I'm gonna go, we're going to go ahead and open up the, the chapter 7. I don't think we'll finish it. It's not a long chapter, but... Uh, we're, we've got about 15 minutes left. So it's talked about know him intimately. Chapter 7, say we're page 49. God saved you for the purpose of enjoying an intimate relationship with him from now on. Salvation isn't just insurance from hell's flames. Neither does God intend that you receive forgiveness for your sins and then merely survive until heaven. Salvation is so much more. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16 And this is eternal life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. John 17.3 Salvation is getting to know this awesome, wonderful, loving God for the rest of eternity. Jesus came to give you eternal life. The idea that salvation is merely fire insurance came from the church putting a period where the Bible only has a comma. It's not for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, believeth in him should not perish, period. So many preachers stop here and emphasize salvation's byproduct of missing hell and totally ignore God's primary purpose, but have everlasting life. You were saved for intimate relationship with your Heavenly Father and His Son. 
Jesus came because he loved you. He didn't come as a dutiful creator under some sense of obligation to rescue his wayward creation. Christ's motivation was pure love, and anyone who loves has a need to be loved in return. God's compassion for you in your lost condition and his passion to restore you to fellowship with him was combined into a sacrificial love that endured the cross. With the barrier of sin forever removed, you've been freed to receive his love and to love him in return. The relationship Adam and Eve lost has now been restored to you. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Galatians 1.4 Jesus didn't just save you from a future evil world, hell. He also delivered you from this present, from, from a future evil, evil world. He also delivered you from this present evil world according to the Father's will. You are now able to walk and talk with Him. Get to know God. That will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 1611. Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom through now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. 1 Peter 1, 7 and 8. True joy and happiness in this life Come from your intimacy with God. Knowing Him is eternal life. Okay. Now, I like this chapter. Because uh, really, this is the heartbeat of Christianity. It's having a relationship with God. You know, I, he quoted here from John 17, 3 in the first uh, chapter here. But this is eternal life that you may know Him, the one true God. Eternal life is not just going to heaven. Yes, that's part of it. Like I said, that's part of it. The core of, of, of eternal life is having a relationship with Him. And the core of being with Him and going to heaven is not heaven itself. It's being with God for all eternity. It's all about relationship. And it's not just a relationship. It's intimate. Remember I just talked about how Jesus had multiple levels of relationship? Well, the, the innermost relationship he had was the one. Jesus spent time with the Father. Jesus sometimes spent all night with the Father. Have you ever had a good friend or spouse where you could just spend all night talking and whatnot? You know, there's sometimes where we will spend all day together and we hardly say anything. Uh, we do say stuff, but sometimes you just, when, you love, when you're around people you love and around people you like, you know, just being there is awesome. But the, the core of our relationship, the core of Christianity, is not just going to heaven. Yes, that's a major point. I'm not trying to water that down. But at the same point in time, it's about having a relationship with God. And uh, yes, all these things, going to church, reading your Bible will help with that. But don't get so religious about it that you, that you lose the purpose. It's not all about church. And it's not all about reading the Bible. It's about having a relationship with God through the Bible, through the church, through fellowship. That makes sense? Uh, fellowship should never be more important than God. And yet we need fellowship. Um, you know, uh, going to meetings and meetings, going to meeting after meeting after meeting 
should be more important in your relationship with God. All those things should help with that. All those things can be a part of that. But, you know, uh, if all we ever did was fellowship with other people, but we never had time together, that would be unhealthy. And so, just, you know, fellowshipping good, hearing good teachings good. And, you know, we listen to teaching stuff all the time, day through day in and day out. We do others, but we also need our own relationship with God outside of that arena. Does that make sense? You know, a parent-child. Sometimes, you know, I've I've seen parents where they have uh, maybe uh, two or three kids or even more. But once in a while, mom or dad will just take one child out and spend with them just some quality time. You know, a lot of times they do things together as a group, as a family, or, or, or somewhere in between. But sometimes it's just mother and daughter night. Sometimes it's just father and son night, whatever it might be. I had one pastor where when he was a teenager, they had an adopted boy. And it was just a rare thing, but it was back when the movie theaters were open and everything. Of course, this was years ago. But he just took his son for a midnight movie. Now it was a school night, and so normally he wouldn't do that. But he, he, it was a rare thing. But he just wanted his son to know he can have fun. And, and, and you know, it would be unhealthy to do that every night. But I think that was healthier than some, you know, even if he missed the day because he slept in or whatever. Having a father and son time was was something I'm sure he'll never forget. And so, we, you know, I'm just trying to, to point, we need, we have a relationship with God. That's the key. Don't let the religion get in the way. There's some things that we do that are tools, but never let the tool become the, the idol. Um, hopefully I'm making sense. But it's about a relationship with God. And and, uh, and, and God didn't just die so uh, uh, he paid for our sins. Yes, he did. But he paid for our sins so we could have everlasting life. And everlasting, the definition of eternal life is knowing him. And that word know it's gnosko in the Greek. And it's the same word that Mary used when it says, how can this be since I've never known a man? It's talking about intimacy. You know, intimacy is not just sexual. Intimacy, you can be intimate, intimate with people emotionally. You can be intimate with people in a, on a relational, relational level. And uh, like I see, again, Jesus had the multitudes, the 70, the three, and the one. His friendship, his relationship with the three was more intimate than it was with the 70 and with the multitudes, or even the 12. And so, uh, anyway, I, I know i got more to share, but you want to back on uh, No, I just, I mean, if, if someone is saying, oh, is that all? Um, I, I really... I think I'd be struck dumb for a moment because really having an intimate relationship with the God of all creation is the just the most amazing thing. And when you get to know him and realize how much he loves you and wants to spend time with you, that is just, I don't have the words good enough to say how wonderful that is. I mean, it, it, Kind of reminds me of the story of Zacchaeus um, hiding up in the in the tree just to see if he could see Jesus, you know, walking down the street. And Jesus turns to him and says, "You know, I'm going to your house to have dinner with you. I mean, you know, Dave 
talked about his his best friend and you know it, it's like that it's like the god of all creation wants to be your best friend and love you with your flaws and all he just all he sees is how perfect and wonderful you are and 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 um it's just it's just amazing you know where you start off uh last week and this week saying okay now you're a believer now what well guess what get ready for your socks to be blown off because the god of the, the god of all creation wants to to have an eternal forever relationship with you and that's just the most amazing thing early earlier this year i did a teaching series called i titled it the garden restored you know it talks about in genesis how adam walked with god and god walked with adam in the cooler day you know some people when they have devotions or have time with the lord i had a pastor's wife who uh, who always uh, when she had time with the Lord, just envisioned herself in the throne room of God, and when, especially when she was praying. Me, when I have times with the Lord, I envision myself walking with God in the garden. And that's just kind of my secret place. Some people have their secret place. I knew a mother one time who, uh, not my mom, but another uh, uh, a mother uh, who always went to the, they lived on an uh, orchard. And would always go out in the orchard and spend some time with God. And it's not so much the place or whatever, whatever works for you. That's why, but you know, sometimes it's nice, you know, just shut down off the music, shut off everything, and just spend some time with God. I used to go for walks and just spend time with God. And I just mean, I, even though I might be walking in the city streets or whatever, I just imagined myself in a garden walking with God in the cool of the day. That was just the scenery I, I imagined myself in. But the point was, I rather than I wanted to envision myself with a relationship with God that wasn't He just way up there somewhere, and I'm here and there's a disconnect. I just wanted to have a relationship with God, and sometimes I just had to use my imagination and paint the scenery, and become intimate in that way, where I wasn't just coming to Him only for when I had a need. Not that I couldn't sit on His lap and ask Him some things I needed, but. I wanted to have a, I wanted to train my mind to have a relationship with him. There's times where, you know, we're busy, we, we do a lot, we, we work all the time, some people say. Sometimes we relax, watch a movie and eat at night. But then sometimes we just, lately we've been busy on some of the weekends. But once in a while, we just like going for a drive or go to the beach and just, uh, and have no agenda. Sometimes having no agenda is just very soothing. Uh, I'm a very agenda person, but then there's sometimes when it's nice to throw the calendar away for the for the day or for a few hours and just uh, enjoy uh, smell the roses for once in a while, smell the flowers. But that we just you know sometimes we need to sometimes we need to go on a special date. Sometimes we need to go on a vacation, you know, uh, you know. But sometimes you need to do that with God. With, you know, you know. There's times where we. Uh, with friends, we've had them over, and sometimes we said, you know what, let's get away together. Let's do a, a group vacation, you know. Um, and so, uh, I'm just, my, my point is, we need to have devotions. We need to have, go, we need to go to church. We need to read the Word of God. Those are all things we need to do that are, if we're going to be healthy. Healthy and grow spiritually. You know, let me go back on the healthy. You can tell when the grass is not watered. 
You can tell when someone's not doing well physically. They haven't been eating well, whatever the case may be. We just been watching uh, a movie series, a TV series, When Calls a Heart, and uh, Elizabeth just lost her husband, and uh, her, you know, and the neighbor, the, the community kept checking on her because usually when you're uh, had a major tragedy like that, sometimes you don't eat, sometimes you don't take care of yourself because uh, you have all the the trauma uh, that uh, whatnot. You know, but you can tell, and I can tell. I can, I, you know, if I'm not trying to be nosy, and there's a lot of people I know, but I can sometimes tell, especially sometimes when you haven't seen someone in a while, a friend or someone you went to Bible school with, or whatever the case may be in, in your scenario. And you, sometimes this time of year, Christmas and the holidays, you get together, you see people you haven't seen in a while, and whatnot, and then, you know, when you get together, you, sometimes you can tell, you know, they're... You might not know the story. You might not know everything that's happened since the last time you saw them. But you can tell they're doing well. Or you can tell, I don't know what's wrong, but something, something they're struggling. Or, you know, and so, or when I talk, start, brought up that subject, that was a sore spot. <laughs> There's something sensitive about that. You know, you just can just tell. You can tell when the, the plants are being watered. You can tell. There's some dogs we see, well, they're, they're getting a little too much food. <laughs> You know, and there's some dogs, that, you know, especially if they're a stray dog or a cat, uh, they, they, they're missing some meals. And, uh, you know, you can just tell. Spiritually speaking, you can tell. You can tell, you know, and sometimes we can get so busy even, you know, especially in pastors, especially in ministry. We can get so busy doing the ministry, we, we forget that we're sheep too. We're shepherds, but we're sheep too, and we need to get fed. We need to get ministered to. And sometimes pastors need to, to, to you know, uh, uh, there's so many different aspects of this, but some of the, you know, parents can be this way, always giving to their children and, and ministering and, and serving and, and being a good mom and dad, but sometimes they just need to need a, uh, a break and a vacation to recharge and and, uh, and to be served and waited on and, and whatnot. And so it, we just need, you know, in the midst of all the busy, and right now with COVID, I know it's a little different and whatnot, but we need, when, it come, when, when the rubber meets the road, when the dust settles, it really only matters is that your relationship with God. And, uh, you know, a good mentor of mine has told me many times, he says, especially when I was going through some things a couple of years ago, he said, Dave, when it's all, what really matters is that you, when, you know, some of the struggles I was having to do with, with other people, he says, uh, I forget exactly how he started it, but he says, you only, you're dancing before that audience of one. When it all comes down to it, when it all settles, it really only matters what he thinks of you. And, and that's one thing we're trying to convey in this church and this ministry, that he loves you. It says in Zephaniah 3.17, if you study the language, it says, in dancing over you with singing. I love the Amplified version because it says he's, he's rested his love for you. He's settled He's satisfied with his love for you. And uh, God just loves you. You're the apple of his eye. You know, uh, there's a teacher that we like, Louis Didio. I don't know if I pronounced his last name correctly. But he, he teaches, he talks to the youth. But he has, and we have a couple of videos of his teachings. But he'll talk about the universe. Um, and uh, he'll talk about the stars and the universe and all these galaxies. 
And in one particular video, he talks. He goes way out in the universe and talks about all the things that God's created. And then he turns the camera around to see Earth. And of all this universe, there's this speck called Earth. In all this universe. He says, on this, you know what is on this, on this speck? Is you. On the, <coughs> in other words, I'm trying to paint a picture. Of all the universe that God's made. In, in comparison to the universe, you and I are just a speck. We're more than that, but, but I'm trying to paint a picture. We're, we're a speck on a speck. <laughs> and God died. The, of all this universe, God thought was worth you, this speck, was worth dying for. You're more than a speck, don't get me wrong. But I'm just trying to paint a picture. Hopefully it's edifying. But it's just that uh, God loves you. You were worth dying for. He didn't die for the universe. He died for people. He died for all of us. And he didn't just die so you can go to heaven. That's part of it. He died so he can have a relationship with you. That's why he died. And he wanted a relationship with you. You know, and, and to me, it's the, it's, the, it's the greatest love story of all. And when you know his love, how much he loves you and wants to be intimate with you, when you know his love, you can love him in return. You can love yourself. You can love one another, what we were just talking about a few minutes ago. But until you know how much he loves you, you're going to struggle loving others, let alone loving yourself the way you should. But, you know, the gospel, knowing God the way I know him now versus I know him years ago, has changed my perspective of God. It's changed my perspective of, of myself. It's changed my perspective of other people. It's changed my perspective, even of the devil, and, uh, and, and, and because uh, he's under my feet. He's because you know, uh, God's put all things underneath His feet, and I'm the body of Christ. Um, anything you want to elaborate on that? No, I I think that uh, what Dave shared was what we needed. We all needed to hear um, exactly. Well. Way. We're out of time for tonight, so we'll come back next week and we'll finish up uh, chapter 7, which will mean we'll probably finish up the first section of this book. And so I'm going to pray us out, and we will see you again on Sunday morning. 11.15 is when we start live streaming, and then Sunday night at 6 o'clock for the true nature of God. So, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for every good thing you have given us. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for the body of Christ. We thank you for our pastors. We thank you for those you things you've given us. Lord, we also thank you for this country. And I pray for this country. I pray, Lord, that uh, all that's going on among the states in this election, I thank you for exposing the truth. And I thank you for justice in this country. We thank you. We worship you. We trust you. I bless every family. I bless every individual that's watching this video. Uh, we speak healing and wholeness. I thank you. I rebuke this COVID virus worldwide. And I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. You Lord, you said every name shall bow. And we, 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 this name COVID must bow to the feet of Jesus. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. 
and we declare it in the name of Jesus. Lord, bless us as we go. Bless the rest of this week. Bless the rest of this year that we have left. Bless this Christmas season. Lord, those who are struggling financially because of the cold, all the lockdowns and businesses and different things, I speak blessing over everyone who's been affected. Whatever country you're listening from tonight, or wherever you might be, I speak blessing in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. We love you all. Uh, we'll see you again Sunday. Have a great week. Reach out if you need anything. God bless.